Hi, how are you? It's uh, you, me, and BPD. And um, this week I have a guest uh, from America. Her name is Rose Skeeters. She's a, a therapist over in America that I got chatting to a couple of months ago. And uh, she asked me to go on her own podcast, um, From Borderline to Beautiful, which is a really good podcast too, if you have a listen to it. So eventually... I'm doing my own podcast now, and I asked Rose to come on today and, and uh, be the guest for once, you know. So, hi, how are you, Rose? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me, Sean. Thanks very much for coming on. Um, I'm good now, thankfully. Yeah, I'm good. So, I've been looking forward to this. We've been trying to do this for a couple of weeks. Um, but I know. <laughs> difficulties trying to get it, and then my voice went, and then we tried it, and then it broke down so that I can guaranteed today won't break down so <laughs> um, <laughs> that's awesome our, yeah. our time zone our time, our time zone well. differences has been Ex- funny right <laughs> yes exactly so we're, we're we're doing our best to get there but we've we're eventually doing it you know so um yep. i suppose we'll start off tell us a little bit about yourself sure so i am the co-owner or uh, cvo of a online counseling, coaching, and consulting business called Thrive Mind Body. And I'm also the host, like you said, of a podcast called From Borderline to Beautiful. So I had started, we started our company. I'm a nutrition coach and I was doing online counseling. And I realized when I was doing that eventually that all of the people coming to me had, you know, were somewhere on this borderline personality disorder spectrum. And those were the people who, you know, they talk about, you know, you have an ideal client when you're working on a business. And those were the people who are my ideal clients. So I thought to myself, you know what, I should really get my message out there about borderline personality disorder and just tell people my story, be vulnerable so that, you know, people looking for treatment, you know, they, they don't feel so alone. So I decided to do my podcast having that clinical background and then move into from being a a licensed therapist to more a hybrid therapist mindset coach. All right. So are you diagnosed yourself with borderline personality disorder? I was never formally diagnosed. Mm. Well, I was formally diagnosed. I was not fooled about it. I shouldn't say that. So I was never, no one had said to my face, you know, all the treatment I had been through. They never would tell me for fear of my reaction. But yes, as a younger child, about 10, 12 years ago, yeah. I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. Like even in Ireland here, I when I was over getting therapy in 2009, like they didn't tell me I had borderline personality disorder. I taught ADHD and I was studying ADHD on the side going, geez, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a good good grip on this and it was only until I actually asked that they said no you've you've a thing called borderline personality disorder um yeah yeah and uh, ADHD doesn't sound as bad if I'm being honest (laughs) I know I have a lot of people who come to me and they go I you know I think I have ADHD and that's really what it had been when I before I started the podcast Mm. I had a lot of people who are misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder or ADHD and you know I had been thinking no this is not that you know this is not ADHD because you know when you have borderline personality disorder it looks so similar because you have a lot of emotion so you have those executive skills functioning deficits where you you look disorganized right you look all over the place 
yeah. because of the BPD. So it's commonly misdiagnosed. But yeah, lots of people come to me and oh, I just have ADHD. Okay, <laughs> let's yeah. talk about that. <laughs> and yeah. how, how long are you? How long are you a therapist yourself? I have been in the mental health field since 2007. Right. It's a lot, a long time. I've been actively practicing as a licensed clinician for, I would want to say, a little over 15 years. Right. Yeah. You've seen a lot at this stage, so. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And with your own background, what got you into therapy? What Did anything happen in your own background that <laughs> brought you down this road? Yep. My math is off, by the way, because it's just not, you know, I'm not a math brain. So I, it was actually 2005 where I started, you know, in higher level education. And mm. it's been, you know, 15 years or more working in the field. So what got me into it? I was a clarinet performance major in college, Sean. That was the direction that I was supposed to go in. I was playing clarinet and I was going to be a professional clarinet clarinetist. So when I realized that really wasn't the thing for me, I, I wanted to do anything that wasn't, that didn't require any effort back then when I was in college. So and when I realized I had problems was that first semester in college where you live away from your parents or university, right? So internationally, mm. we say university. And I took a psych class, psych 101, and I fell in love with trying to figure out who I was. So I immediately switched majors, right? Not impulsive at all. <laughs> then I went from my bachelor's degree. So here you get a bachelor's degree and you can't be licensed as a clinician or a therapist until you receive either a master's degree or a doctorate. And you can skip your master's degree and go right to your doctoral degree. So I started from that bachelor's degree. I actually got into a doctoral program for psychology. I just wanted to skip over the master's. Um, level work and I started really like looking into DBT because you know the way they train you at the doctoral level is you have these teams clinical teams and maybe one team focuses on schizophrenia one team focuses on depression anxiety child psychology we had a team because we had somebody who was uh, trained by Marshall Linehan in DBT. So I was on the DBT team, of course, and it resonated with me so much. Everything that they were talking about, I loved learning about it. You know, I was, it was, it felt like home to me. And, you know, from there I ended up figuring out, well, this is what I have. This is what I'm struggling with. Right. Okay. So you you so DBT is is as you know and I know but not many people would know is that DBT is one of the core um, therapies for people with borderline personality disorder. Um, Marsha Lenehan was the founder and she created it really. Well, isn't that true? Um, yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. So you studied DBT, is is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I studied it, and I also tried to get. I had a clinician. Like I had my own therapist at the time yeah. trying to work through all these issues. So I was going through not formal DBT. They have informal or quote unquote gold star, gold standard DBT programs. And then there's informal DBT. So I was going through some informal DBT. I couldn't afford it at the time. Um, it was $600 a month to do the wow, gold standard. $600 a, a lot month. Of- yeah. Yeah. I mean, therapy is expensive. I try to, even in my own practice, I try to keep costs low. 
it's hard though because you you also are working for a living and mm. you're you know it's a lot of work and you're really having to juggle a lot when you're working with someone with BPD. So it is it's a going to be expensive. I personally think that's pretty excessive in a group setting when you're just you know in a group learning skills. So I wasn't able to even afford it. I was a university student. I didn't have money. It's amazing you know? the difference. Like in Ireland, you know, in Ireland when I when I went into um, you know, when I when I went into therapy, basically, and this is something I'm finding out more and more is the difference in the cultures and everything else. Like I, I done four years of therapy and a full year of DBT, and you know, free we we nothing, absolutely zero. So yeah. it's amazing the difference of cultures because, you know, how are you supposed to afford six hundred dollars a month, and how are you supposed to get? You know, it's to me it's alien. Yes, it's this. It's it's just the culture that's there. Is that it's an expensive thing to get done? Right. Well, there is free treatment. So, as when you go and you get licensed as a clinician mm. in the United States, you have to work in what they're called what they call community mental health. I mean, you don't have to; it's an option. Right. You work in a community mental health facility. A community mental health facility is going to offer free or low cost care. But, but those organizations are not well funded. So when I was working as a therapist in those or in an organization like that, I had 70 some clients on a caseload and nice. I had to do paperwork for seven, that's 70 people. That's excessive. It's too much. And mm. you have, you know, not enough time, not enough resources to offer people. So I guess what I'm saying is that in here you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, people who do the work that I'm doing charge upwards of three to $500 an hour which I just morally can't wrap my mind around wow. <laughs> how that they could start that. But, you know, it's, it's good quality work in these reputable people. So I think cost in healthcare is just different in the U.S. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, even, you know, you, you put up there last week, you know, you were putting up um, a program that you're doing. And um, I was looking into it and looked at the price, you know. And I'll be yeah. honest, I, I was asking a few people, because I chat to people online and around the world, and I was asking a few people in America, I was like, "Is you know, what 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 would you think of this as a price before I went talking to you this evening? And they were all saying, it's actually a very good price. It's a really good yeah. price. And coming from Ireland, you know, we're used to, as I said, free. So, you know, I wouldn't have a clue. I wouldn't be able to scale it. Um, yeah. So I was, and I did do that. I went around and said, just, you know, because I knew I was going to be chatting to you and I knew I was going to be chatting to you about your business. But the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is if I couldn't relate, if that makes sense. It's like, because I needed to be able to relate. So I asked around and I said, what do you think of that price? And they were like, yeah, that's actually a pretty good price in fairness. I said, wow, that's pretty good. So, you know. Um, yeah. And so like in fairness, the, one of the reasons I did ask you on is is because We've been chatting since last April, right? Yep. And I'm mm-hmm. on I'm on your your Facebook um I don't even know what to call them. What do you call them? Facebook <laughs> right? groups. Okay. That'll tell you how much yeah. I understand about all this. Uh Facebook <laughs> groups. Um one of the more annoying people I hope on it. Um I do my best. <laughs> <coughs> Try not to get banned. But at the same token, I, I find your group, and I've said this to you before, so it's not like it's a plug. At the end of the day, I call it as I see it, but there's an awful lot more maturity, I'll say, 
right, in your mm-hmm. group, in a sense of you can you can speak your mind, um, yep. you can talk about dark topics, um, mm-hmm. and they're talked about as adults. Um, and I like that. I like the rawness of your group. And most importantly, what I like about your group, and I'll say I like about you as a person, is there's no bullshit with you. What you see right. is what you get. You know, there's no... Yep. Um, and even, like, being honest, I was talking to someone from America just there yesterday, and I was talking about you. And um, because I was asking her about the pricing, and I was saying, you know, in fairness, I'd go with Rose, right? And it's like, I, I wasn't... She's not going to therapy or anything, but I was just chatting as if she was. And she right. was, she said to me, why would you go with Rose? I said, because, right... You've said to me the price is pretty decent, which I'm going to take on board that it is because I don't know. But it says the reason I would go to Rose is this. The bullshit of three or four sessions where you're just trying to figure it out, she's not going to be charging you for that where other therapists are going to try and fit it in. Rose hits the ground running. And I like that. I like, right, you're here. Let's get going. I don't want yep. you to feel sorry for me. I don't want you to... Yeah, the last thing I want in therapy is someone going, oh, you poor old devil, yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. No, <laughs> right. I don't want that. I want yeah. I want what's in your head. Give me what's in your head. And that's the way I look at therapy. And I look at you like that. You, you cut the bullshit and get straight into mm-hmm. it. You know? So, yeah, um, absolutely. Would you disagree? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Absolutely. I mean, back to, you know, how I came to be doing this, you know, after the doctoral program, I, unfortunately, I wasn't even able to finish because I had a son. I had a child in the program. So I right, was okay. still very impulsive, very all over the place. So mm. I ended up getting, a, I have a master's degree and I got my license, et cetera. And I came to find that that style of therapy, it just doesn't, help. It does help some people. It helps a lot of people, but it doesn't help people like me, like you. We have strong personalities. Mm. We need to, you know, cut to the chase. And the more I started, they teach you in therapy, don't talk about yourself. You need to not burden other people, which makes sense. You know, I I don't like, I'm not going to talk about myself in a way that would make someone have to feel like they have to take care of me. But I felt that the more that I told people about me and my struggles, the more they could relate to me. So it became real. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. I want to grow more. I want to recover so that I can then help people and have a formula and a system to do that. And yeah, I do hit the ground running for sure. And that's kind of how I've switched from being considering myself a therapist to a mindset coach. You know, I am always going to be a therapist. I've always, I've trained that way. I'm trained. I don't have a doctoral degree, but I'm trained at the doctoral level. So to me, that's always going to come first Mm. is that the ethical standpoint, taking care of people, making sure that I'm not working with people that require a higher level of care, hospitalization, Right. But at the end of the day, I'm a coach and the first session is going to be, tell me about you. Okay. Here's your assignment. Go. And sometimes I'm giving three assignments and sometimes I, yeah. I have to be careful because I am intense. Right. So I've, I'm like, okay, that's really sad. Let's go. This is what you're going to do. We're going to reform. You're going to transform you. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. And then to speak on the money part of it, it's, it, you know, it's, um, the way that my business works, people are always surprised that they can get a hold of me. They're like, how are you so easy to contact? And I say, because I don't see people for a long period of time. 
so like five sessions, six sessions, seven sessions, and they go. So that's seven sessions, right? That's not mm. that much money for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Like, and even though I've never been counseled by you, um, I'm a big advocate for BPD. That's my whole game. Since when I, um, you know, self-harmed or call a spade a spade, tried to take my own life in 2009, ever since then, you know, my world has been mental health, you know. And mm-hmm. not, not at all, but, it's it, you know, now it's a passion. It's a passion of mine, and hopefully it'll continue for the rest of my life. It's, it's, um, it's a hobby that I'll always hopefully take on. But one thing that I do do is I watch people and I want to make sure that when I'm talking about someone that they're actually good. In my belief, you know, I'm not the end yeah. all and being all. But I definitely from watching you over the last couple of months and look, you've BPD, I've BPD. It's no big secret that people with BPD watch each other. So anyone that doesn't have BPD, uh, just as, this is a little kind of a hidden thing, you know, like a little gem. Um, we watch everything. <laughs> we're, looking, we're looking for the slightest little flaw in you because that's how we look yeah. at the world. And I've been looking at you yep. for the last couple of months and I've been looking at your answers and seeing how you interact with other people with BPD. And again, that's the reason I asked you on today because I completely would believe in you. If anyone came to me and you were in Ireland I would have no doubt in sending them to you. Absolutely none. Um, because I know that you have their interest at heart. You know? Yep. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't... So I consider myself to have all of the good stuff. So BPD with the disorder. You and I always split hairs over this. I feel like I'm always correcting. I feel like I have a hyperbolic temperament. I don't have you know, the disordered part of borderline personality disorder because of all the things you're saying. You're right. I'm consistent. I'm the same person every time I Mm. show up the same way. Every time I'm loyal to my word. And if I'm, if I make a mistake, which I have, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've had people become very angry with me. I say that the mistake I've made and I apologize and we move on. And that's Mm. how I, I've recovered. So of course I'm going to be that way. I appreciate your saying that because it just reaffirms like, yeah, you are who you say you are. That is one of the biggest predictors of recovery. If you can just be the same person all the time. I feel that way about you. That's why I had you on the podcast to begin with. It was random, right? I just started this podcast. I was on all these really negative (laughs) Facebook groups. Mm. And then there you were. And you're just this light in all this just darkness. I'm like, there he is. Okay, cool. Like, let's ask Sean if he can be on the podcast. And then months later, I have my Facebook group and the podcast has grown. So you come back on and that's what you're looking for is consistency in a person. Are they going to be the same way all the time? Mean what they say and say what they mean, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, and I think, you know, you know, I spray cars, as I always say, I'm very, I'm very prominent to say I spray cars because I, I, I'm not a therapist. I will never be a therapist because I wouldn't do what you do. I will, you know, right. I talk to people um, every now and again, but I, yeah, that's great. But And I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I really do enjoy that. But I would not take this on full time. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't have the head for it. Um, so that's why I'm talking to you is because it's great when you actually have someone who has the mindset. They know what they're talking about. 
And one of the things I found detrimental, if I'm being honest, now the therapist I had in 2009, she was brilliant. She was exactly like my mindset, your mindset, a very get on with it, get up, get on with it. Right. And it's 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 a breath of fresh air when you find someone who who has the illness who who's also a therapist, if I'm being honest. And and, and I am plugging you. And then, and this is deliberate. It's not like <laughs> it's not like, oh my God, like this is I'm deliberately plugging you. That's why I asked John. Um because it is a breath of fresh air. I appreciate air. that. No, I'm being honest. Like the way I look at it is if I taught you were shit, I just wouldn't talk to you because I just wouldn't because at the end of the day, my main goal in life is that people with BPD can realize that they can become better. And the last thing I would do is recommend anybody because it comes back on me then. Um, you know, you, yeah. you, you recommended this person to me and, and blah, blah, blah. And then it comes back on me, which is damaging to what I'm trying to do, which is basically promote that BPD can be cured, as right. you know. Yep. Um, BPD mm-hmm. can be overcome. Um, you can live a very good. You look. We know each other. I live a very good life. I'm happily married. You know. Um, I've three yep. kids. I know you're happily married. I know you have a kid. We. You can overcome BPD. It's not like you're living in this nightmare all the time. And that's what I want to promote. And and again, yeah, it's a plug at the end of the day because. I don't know another therapist that has BPD, <laughs> you know, that type of way. So yeah. it's great to get someone who actually has the illness because I know when I was talking to certain therapists before, we'll say my last therapist, and it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare when you're talking to someone who just doesn't get what you're trying to say to them, whereas you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, because I have that mindset, that brain. So, you know, I think recovery, I'm asked this a lot, you know, what does recovery mean? I mean, recovery doesn't mean that I all of a sudden woke up one day and just was, you know, completely normal. As a matter of fact, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that I'm, you know, very hyperbolic, you know, kind of weird, sometimes awkward. You know, you said one time on my podcast that you would just sing, just start bursting out singing and dancing out of nowhere. I mean, yeah, I do things like that, you know, but I have the you know, gift maybe, I don't know, to be able to have the, the mindset to see the BPD reality as well. So I can, when someone, I'm working with someone, I don't, they don't have to necessarily spill out all the things going on in their head because I already know it. And that's really helpful for people because, you know, it's hard for people with BPD to be vulnerable. Mm. So when they, you know, I, I'll have someone talking about their kids, for example, and be like, oh, I just think maybe I'm a horrible parent. Then I know, okay, well, I scan my brain and I'm like, all right, well, what does that mean to have BPD and to be a horrible parent? Well, you probably scream at your kid. Maybe you handled them too roughly. Maybe you were disconnected from your kid or whatever. And I'll say those things out loud. And then they go, how did you know that? It's like, well, because that's my head, right? Like I'm in there. Mm. But I also have that benefit of being, like I said, loyal to my word and consistent. And so I can see the neurotypical world and act that way. And I can also act you know, in other ways, I think people really like that. They appreciate that I can, you know, call call them out. I think so. Like, the, the one thing I love about life is honesty. And mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer, yeah, it's raw. Yeah, it hurts. But it doesn't sting for too long. You know, it, it might sting in mm-hmm. the beginning, but it's not going to sting for weeks on end. 
And I think sometimes, in my opinion, people need that. They need that raw honesty to just go, well, this is the way you're, you you could be like. You know that type of like? Look, mm-hmm. if you have borderline personality disorder, you definitely have anger. I mean, it's a nightmare yep. in the head of a... Uh, I'm not going to speak for everyone with borderline, but I know when, when my head wasn't straight... When you're trying to jigsaw all of that together and then live your life and and try and cope and work and whatever else that comes into your life, while your head is like a thousand piece jigsaw that someone just scattered all over the place and go, put that back together while you do a full time job and then you're married and everything else. <laughs> and you're there going, oh, Lord. So, of course, the anger comes because of the frustration. Whereas right. I know you get that, you know. You'll get that. And that's, yeah, that's, yeah. No, go on. No, I, yeah, I, I get it. I get it in a way that's not just what I read in a book. You know, like you said earlier, um, you don't like to recommend people because it falls back on you. I'm the same way. I mean, people ask me all the time, well, what, who else do you recommend? And I, like, mind goes blank because I think, okay, I worked with clinicians. I worked with therapists. I know a lot of therapists. And yes, there are a lot of very amazing therapists, but I don't know a lot of, I don't know any clinicians personally who haven't said a negative word about someone with BPD and said something like, oh, I don't want to work with them, right? Or I don't really want to, I, I, they're crazy or they're, you know, treatment resistant, meaning, you know, they can't get better and that kind of thing. So I usually will recommend, um, Daniel Fox because he's the, he, I've seen his videos on YouTube Mm. and he's a professional. I don't think he ever says he has BPD, but he gets it. So he either does or he just conceptualizes it really well. But, you know, and I forget where I was going with that. (laughs) There we go. Disorganized, right? So, Oh, okay. I know what I, I know what I was going to say. So yeah. So, you know, I know I do recommend Daniel Fox and his workbooks, but I don't recommend him saying that he gets it. Not only do I have that clinical knowledge, like all of the, my colleagues do, but I also completely get it because I've done it before. I've been there before. I mean, BPD is a series of behaviors and you can group people by those behaviors. So if, you know, I tried to kill myself, you tried to kill yourself, other people tried to kill themselves. It's the same mentality. I'm not good enough. I'm worthless. And I've actually felt that. I've lived that life before. So, yeah, I, I feel it. Right. Absolutely. And and that's the thing as well is, you know, when you when you try and end your life, you are at a very vulnerable stage. And you're really, yep. I know it myself anyway, you really are hoping that this person gets it because... You, you know, I suppose when I think back, it's like a part of you wants to end your life. You don't, but there's a part of you that's going, yeah, I'm going to kill you next time I get a chance. And it's like, oh, God, this <laughs> yeah. is a nightmare. So you're kind of hoping the therapist gets it. You're hoping that they go, yeah, look, don't worry about it. I, I understand what you're going through. You're hoping to do that. And very few yeah. do. And look, I, I, I know about America. America, you know, different cultures, different ways. America has a very negative outlook on people with BPD. You know, yeah. from what I see, they really and truly. I mean, if you have BPD in America, it's very hard to get therapy, as you just said, because some people actually will not deal with you. And again, I, I, right. my personal opinion on that is this, because they don't get it. 
they actually right. don't get it. And that's not me being smart or condescending towards anyone who's studying in college. But at the end of the day, if you understand something, it's not a problem. Right. I can pick a spray gun up into my hand. People to be looking in at the window and I don't even be looking at the car. I'd be dancing away because I'm enjoying the music that's in my ears. And they don't know why I'm able to spray a car while not looking at the car. I don't need to look at the car because I get it. When you understand borderline, you don't need to be worrying about too much because you get it. And I think that's what people want is they want someone to go, look, I I understand what you're going through. That's that's the biggest deal when you can understand it, which you do. You know, there's no point in saying you don't. You actually do. Yeah, absolutely. You're yeah, and you know, like the the bad rap in America, at least you know that people get with BPD is the behaviors. I mean, I I was just interviewed on a psychiatrist podcast, and she was like blown away by the fact that people with BPD can recover. It was a great interview, Mm. but it was and ended up being she was like it ended up being her and I having a conversation about just me educating her about the new research on BPD, and she's like, you know, why do you think that clinicians are scared to work with people with BPD. And I was like, because we've done some crazy things. I, I've had things thrown at me. I've been punched in the face. I had some, I had an individual one time who would take my office door and just slam it and slam it and try to scare me. The difference between me and those clinicians is that I've also done my fair share of interesting <laughs> behaviors towards clinicians. And when, when she was doing that, when that individual was slamming the door, I just you know, I'm just bringing on, come on, you're having a tantrum. I mean, this is my job. My job is to help you not act that way. Mm. Whereas I think it scares a clinician who gets that. And, you know, I, I know that that's not everyone. Not everyone is going to do that in therapy. Not everyone with BPD is going to act that irrationally in therapy, but it happens more often than not, unfortunately. And if you don't, like I said, my take on it is bring it on. Like, let's go ahead. If you want to have that kind of outburst, let's fine. If you want to punch me, then I mean, you probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't do that, but let's go down that road. And it's those times where you can be unconditionally supportive and accepting of the BPD brain and the, that person that creates change for that person. I never left that individual who was slamming the door. I just sat there the whole time and we worked through it. And, you know, she never wanted to stop seeing me because she knew that I, no matter what she did, she I wasn't going to leave, and that's part of it, right? But a, a lot of clinicians can't get to that point because they don't understand. They just think it's mean, and we're just trying to hurt people. Yeah, no, it's like even when you're telling me to slam. No, I never slam the door, but I can get it. I get the slamming of the door is basically the test to go. You know, I'm frustrated now. I'm going to slam a door, and then you'll tell me I can't deal with you, and then the cir- the cycle of right. being rejected has been complete. Whereas you understand yeah. that there's a cycle of rejection. In other words, people with BPD that don't have BPD listening to this, basically people with BPD will cycle. In, in other words, they'll, we have a fear of rejection, so we will look at the world through fear of rejection, and then what we'll do is we'll set up a play, to want for a better word, and then we'll yeah. organise something where the person then rejects us, and we go, see, I told you, yep. <laughs> everyone rejects me. <laughs> You know, not realizing that we're doing it ourselves. You know, um, so uh, you see. So again, when you understand this, you can call it. You can call it out and go, "Yeah, you want to slam a door? Great, but we're still talking about this or whatever way you deal with it." You know, right? 
So exactly. I mean, I had Devin on my podcast. If anybody listens, and it's the episode where you know Devin talks about her recovery, and I was in, I did house calls when I lived in Pennsylvania in the uh, East Coast in the United States. So I was at her house, and I was helping her with parenting, and we were talking about her BPD, and she had a tantrum right then and there. And she stands up, and she gets her, she has this like hair tie around her wrist, and she stands up, and she like throws it at me, and gets up. <laughs> I was like, you know, I stood up and I was like, you don't need to treat me that way. Just let's just, you know, go get through this. And we worked through it, you know, but it was more funny because I'm standing there and I'm looking at her. I'm going, what are you thinking right now? You know, you have BPD. I told you I've been through this before. You know, we've recovered. Let's just work through this together. And we end up laughing about it, you know, and she, it diffused the situation because I was able to understand that she wasn't throwing her hair tie at me to hurt me or, to start some something bigger, she was just, you know, people with BPD were like walking open wounds, right? So she's just yeah. having this tantrum, has a huge emotion and doesn't know what to do with it. So I guess I'm saying that, you know, if you're working with someone, you're trying to get help, you need to have that space and that freedom to be who you are and to learn how to regulate your emotions without having to worry about your clinician leaving you. Absolutely. or shaming you or whatever right yeah, yeah and you see as well as that again like you know i'm thinking of the 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 mindset is that even though someone with bpd is trying to get help they're still going to test even the therapist to see will the therapist leave them because that's the mindset isn't it it's a constant test to see who's going to leave yeah. me because it'll prove the point then that i'm being rejected Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just don't, you know, I don't reject people. You know, I don't, even people who try, you know, of course, there's so many people listening to podcasts, reaching out. So people try to, you know, somehow hurt me. I'm like, okay, well, let's, you know, come back. Let's have a session. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's figure this out. You know, if you're in that much pain that you think that other people are trying to hurt you or that me as a coach or a clinician is trying to hurt you, then we need to figure this out so that you can get your reality right and we can move on. You know? Absolutely, yeah. Because, again, I'm going back to the point that you understand it. Whereas other therapists, and I'm not going to run down other therapists, these people you know, spend <laughs> their time in college or whatever and they understand. But I will argue the point that some, not all, some just don't get that. And that's the part where they go, yeah, not for me. We can't deal with you. Whereas the fact that you do understand that, you know they're going to throw a tantrum. You know tantrums are part of what we do. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Um, You know that the tantrum is part of us. And that's just a fact about people with BPD. If you're not throwing tantrums with BPD, you don't have BPD. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, true. We're very dramatic, very dramatic, and thankfully we're very dramatic. I love it, you know. Um, I hope that part of me never leaves me, you know. But another no, thing that no. I noticed as well on your um, Facebook group is, mm-hmm. and I like this as well, compared to, I, I'm not trying to run down other Facebook groups. Every Facebook group I'm on is is individual in their own way. But the one thing I do like about your group is you actually promote uh, health and fitness through food and exercise. Like you've just completed um, a 10,000 dumb uh, kettlebell challenge there, isn't it? Yeah, yep. So yeah, you're a big promoter of that. Would 
why would you promote that? We'll say, why is it so important to promote food and and uh, exercise? In your opinion, sure. So I, yeah. So I look at um, the borderline personality disorder as something that stems from having a difficult temperament as a child, or a hyperbolic temperament, and then you take that hyperbolic temperament or being dramatic, hyperbole. It's kind of all the same language. You take that and you couple it with an invalidating social environment. So maybe, you know, you have trauma or perceived trauma or neglectful parents or whatever, and that's how you end up borderline. So when you come into therapy or mindset coaching, it's important to talk about the mind and mindset. Those things are key, especially to negate some of those schemas or stories people are playing out from that early childhood invalidation. But what gets missed? is the fact that we were born with a hyperbolic temperament. So you're not just hyperbolic on the outside, you're hyperbolic on the inside as well. So, you know, working out like that heavy 10,000 kettlebell swings is a lot of work. And I ended up with 53 pounds. So Mm. you're doing 500 kettlebell swings a day. That's 500 kettlebell swings at 53 pounds. Plus, you know, there's like work in the middle of it. It's because I need to lift heavy things in order to release that hyperbolic energy that's happening within me. So exercise was pretty adversive to me. I don't like doing hard things. I <laughs> like exercise, but it, it you, helps me. I'm so calm. When but, you say hyperbolic, sorry. will you explain mm-hmm. to me what hyperbolic is? Sure. So, I mean, the definition of a hyperbole is, you know, just over the top, right? Everything is big. Everything is like overly dramatic. You know, when you, it's an exaggeration. Yes, that's a, a, yes. a synonym. Right. So our, and you said dramatic, so you hit the nail on the head right there. It's You're born with, you know, let's say you have three children. You could have a child who's shy. You could have a child who is compliant and does everything that they're, you know, asked, at, that's asked of them. Maybe they have like a musical talent, so they like being on stage. And then you could have this a child that cries all the time and it's just everything is overdramatic and oversensitive. That would be a hyperbolic child. Your child is more indifferent with a difficult temperament. So there, if you think about hyperbole or drama or just being exaggerated, that's how the person is through and through their genetic um, presentation is an exaggeration. So they have different needs. We have different needs inside and out. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I always argue the case that, you know, you're born this way. Like I was doing a podcast like that mm-hmm. um, a week or two ago and the the guy on the podcast, he, he asked me, you know, if, if I didn't come from such a traumatic background, do I think I'd have BPD? And without thinking, I went, yeah, 100%, because I think you're born that way. And like, there's no way you're going to get through life without, without receiving some form of trauma. And it only takes one or two uh, uh, incidents to trigger BPD, as, as according to the science. So I mean, you're always going to have it. As in, that's it. It's it's you're going to be, as you say, hyperbolic. Um, see, the Irish, we're devils over here. We like to use many, many different words that don't make sense instead <laughs> of using the English language, <laughs> which we should use. <laughs> But we just don't. It's just our nature, you know. We like to go a very long way yeah. around instead of saying the one <laughs> word, you know. 
But hyperbolic, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hyperbolic. Hyperbolic. And and that's why, you know, I say that I've recovered. So this is like this ongoing debate with people. Do you really recover? And it's yeah, so the answer is yes, I recovered from the when you say BPD, right, it stands for borderline personality mm. and the D stands for disorder. You and I are not disordered. If you and I were disordered right now, you wouldn't spray cars and I wouldn't own a business helping people. We are hyperbolic. We still will always, like you said, we're born with that hyperbolic, exaggerated, dramatic temperament. Absolutely. And so exercise and nutrition is key. If I stop working out, I can immediately fall back into a path that would lead me to being disordered if I so chose. Because without good nutrition, without good and like without consistent exercise, my body will start to, to crave that revved up impulsive behavior. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? And the uh-huh. foot and the yeah. foot will be to the pedal then and you'll be clicking enter on Amazon and everything else before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> Buying right. maxing out the, maxing out the credit cards <laughs> just to get the yep. release. Exactly, you know, or gambling or eating too much or whatever people's vices are, you know, whatever Mm, path mm. that takes you to. So I'd rather lift lift some kettlebells. And like you do gut health, I tell people all the time, listen to that episode or I'll do, we'll talk about probiotics or, you know, I start just easy now. People don't like to hear about nutrition and fitness. So I start talking easy. I say like if you eat all junk food, just add vegetables to your meals, mm, you know, start mm. nurturing yourself, taking care of yourself. But the bottom line is, is we're not just hyperbolic in our mind and our emotion. We're hyperbolic physically. Oh, we're absolutely. hyperbolic all over. Absolutely. I mean, even, even like, you know, you know the way I love the gut and the gut's my new best friend. Why wouldn't it be? Because my mental health went away when I started feeding the little fuckers. And like, <laughs> I've I've increased my fibers really hugely right lately and it's just like a rave party down there. They're just I'm picturing them in the middle of a massive field with the fucking two DJs and they're just waving up to me going, You are a legend and I'm going, I am, aren't I? And even in work the boys are noticing work that my energy has gone through the roof and because I'm hyperbolic or dramatic as the Irish would say I'm doing a lot of dancing and moving around in work and I was asked the other day was I mad to which I said I don't know I could be but don't tell anybody (laughs) (laughs) so I'm having good crack you know and and I think you're right I think you're born hyperbolic dramatic for the Irish listeners um I think you are I was always this way there's eight people in, in in my family, eight siblings, and I'm the only one like this. You know, I'm the only yeah. one. And I'm going to say that right now, like to, you know, if my mother's listening, I am your favourite. You know I am. And this is recorded <laughs> for life. So <laughs> I, I asked my mother once, I, I said to her, tell the truth, am I your favourite? And she said, if you were born... First, you'd be an only child, and I said to my family, "I told you, I, was, I told you, I was the favorite." Mammy said, "If I was born first, I'd be an only child," and she says, "I didn't mean it like that," but that's how I took it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you were an intense little kid. I was a bundle of energy, 
that you could nope. not contain. Um, yeah. An absolute bundle of energy that you could not contain. Um, yeah, I was. And, and, and you know, you're born that way. You're, you're absolutely born right. that way. And, like, you and me are on the far side of this, which is rare. I've spent right. 10 years online um, trying to find other people like myself. And I'm not saying I'm unique in that sense or I'm anything good. I'm not. But it's very rare that you find someone who actually just is living their life. Yep. And that's a shame. And I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm in a giddy mood now chatting, but at the same token, I'm trying to be a little bit serious and going, that's a shame. It, it shouldn't be that there's only a few of us out there that actually live a life, get up, go to work, enjoy life. I mean, this is a massive hobby for me now. And, you know, I've, I've, I've kitted out a, a room in my house for this. So it's a massive hobby. Um, Mm-hmm. That people actually, um, when I say this, I mean that I, I'm, I suppose I'm, I'm a normal everyday person, if you want to call it that. Where I work, I'm married, I've kids, I cook, I clean, and my wife cooks and cleans and works, and then I have a hobby, and she's a hobby. So we're kind of ticking all the boxes of how life should be, and it's rare to find people that have BPD that have that, and I think that is a shame. And again, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I asked you on is because people shouldn't be living horrible lives to have BPD. They should be able to live happy lives. Like, absolutely, I've experienced a serious amount of trauma. I didn't have an easy life. I didn't have a life where it was anyway easy. And I live a brilliant life. I love my life now. I really and truly love it. And I know you love your life because you're doing what you love oh, as well. So much. Yeah. You know. And, yeah. you know, I think that's the whole reason um, why I wanted you to come on is, is I want people to be able to reach out to someone like you who, who does this, who actually understands the illness, who can talk to someone and, and, and teach them how to actually cope in life. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. I would love to. Yeah, I I can, I 100% love the life that I have. You know, we're not fancy people. We don't have a lot of anything. We just work hard for all the things that we have. Mm. And, you know, I embrace the life that we have. I love, you know, we were able to, you know, buy a house this past year just because we have online businesses. So COVID really helped because, you know, like the gyms were closed. My husband does mindset coaching and personal training. So anyway, things just align. Mm. You know, we have like this simple place with land in the country. And I just love it. I'm going to bake Christmas cookies and watch ridiculous Hallmark TV with yeah. people, you know, <laughs> in Christmas, Christmas shows. And I love that. You know, I, that's, that's just awesome to me to be able to spend time with my family and you know, when I'm not in session, that's what I'm doing. And I, every day is a good day for me every day, you know, because mm. I don't have the kind of pain, you know, what it's like to wake up every day and you don't have that pain. And I agree. I think that there's, if I can help more people not have the kind of pain that the BPD mind has, then this is worth it for me. So absolutely. Worth it. Absolutely. Like when you're talking to me about that pain and this might sound, I don't know how it'll sound, but I'm just going to say it because it's true. I have to remember that pain because I, mm-hmm. I forget it, yeah. right? So I have, to, I have yeah. to literally remember that pain. And when I remember it, I get a little knot in my stomach. Um, 
Yeah. Like where I was, like my own business in Athlone, and I used to drive about 30 mile away and sit at the foot of a, you know, a small, we don't have big mountains in Ireland. Uh, in America, you have big everythings. We don't have big mountains in Ireland. <laughs> but anyway, we, I used to sit at the bottom of this mountain and I'd be bawling my eyes out crying and, and nobody ever knew that because of the nightmare of BPD that was in my head and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't understand what to do, how to figure it out. Right. You know yourself, you're just gone through one emotion and another one comes in the door. You've gone through that emotion and another one comes in and by the time you're interacting right. with people, you're so exhausted, you're throwing tantrums and yep. you're just this mess, basically. And I'm speaking of myself, I'm not speaking of anyone else, but I, you're just a mess because by the time you actually try to figure out all that's in your head, you're so exhausted, you're like a scared animal that's just lunging at mm-hmm. people. And I remember yeah. that, and that's that's something I would love to be eradicated and yeah. absolutely gone because there is no reason for a human being to suffer that much and especially when people yeah. like yourself get it, they get it and you know I know you get it, I know you understand it, you know that type of way? Yeah absolutely you know and that's why these podcasts are so important because like we talked about the very first podcast we did, what do we say, out of a hundred people there's like one or two that want to hear it. I now, since then, I believe that there's many, many more than one or two that want to hear that there's recovery, that you can have this good life, that you don't have to feel that kind of intense pain that you're just talking about. And I think that we are this voice in a sea full of people going, no, you're going to be sick forever. You're just going to manage this disorder. Even DBT, you and I have had this discussion before. Mm. This is a treatment of coping skills. You know, it's a treatment of coping skills. So you're basically teaching people to have this, put this huge bandaid over the, over the, the disorder and always live with it, you know, and it's, you know, th- there are people out there who need the message that we're giving where, where you say, yeah, you can recover. That's why, you know, you and I have people on that support that. And so people really need that. Mm. They need that message because they're not getting it. No. And like, you know, for myself, as I always say, I've my BPD down to four things, you know, food, sleep, exercise, and um, reflection. And the reflection part <clears throat> is the talking. It's the talking. That's the reflection part. And mm-hmm. y- when you can simplify a severe mental illness down to four things, it becomes a choice in my belief. It then becomes mm-hmm. a choice. I mean, if I don't do any of them four things... I will have a meltdown. That's a fact. Yeah. But then I have a choice to do them or not do them. And I think that's the message as well, is that when you can narrow BPD down to a few little things and be able to say to someone, listen, if you only, you you promote exercise, you love exercising, I don't. You love it. (laughs) I don't. So I'm, I'm next yeah. year. Next well, year, I'm going to try yeah. next year. If, if I'm being honest, I'm going to try it next year. It's one of me. It's one of my. Uh, it's one of my New Year's <laughs> resolutions. I I have to. I have to try it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but you love you love um, exercising. You love your your nutrition. I know you're you're doing the uh, paleo diet. You know. Mm-hmm. So, 
you have the all-rounder as far as I see. You have the nutrition, you have the the therapy, you have the um, exercise, you know, and, and the sleeping is the last yeah. thing. They're the four things that I've narrowed my own illness down to, that if you get them four things right, you'll be pretty much okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes there's, you know, if there's a lot of trauma in someone's background, there's the recognition of that and how that shapes a person. There's learning how to be vulnerable and, you know, having the mindset that matches that and mm. having a moral compass. So that is the only thing that I incorporate into what you just said for sure. You know, absolutely. But you're right. It is a, it is a choice. I always hesitate saying that because there's a big movement in the U.S. here at least about Again, being against what they're, they're calling choice culture. I didn't even know this was a thing because for me, knowing that I had different choices was the thing that propelled my recovery. Mm. If I never knew that I had a choice, I wouldn't be where I am right now. You know, but there's a movement saying that, you know, saying that people have choices is, is making them, making their pain invalidated. That's what this society <laughs> I, I, I disagree. I mean, I disagree. I'll, I'll tell you why I disagree with that. In a sense of, if you don't have a choice, you don't have free will. Right, exactly. And at no stage is anyone's free will taken away from them unless you live in China. Or, as President Trump, Trump said, China. <laughs> so, you're... <laughs> You know, you're well, the Chinese. Well, you know, they, yeah, <laughs> that's another podcast. But anyway, the Chinese they don't they don't have uh, they don't have free will over there. So, I mean, in the Western world, you have free will. So your free will is just not removed. So right. technically, you have a choice. It's knowing that you have the choice. That's the difference. It's knowing that there is something out there that if you yep. do it, you feel a lot better. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, the problem with BPD, though, and this idea of choice, the reason why it's so foreign is because people with BPD externalize their identity. So they give their identity to everyone around them. So then they are they, they take the locus of control that should be within them and they hand it to everyone else. And then they always feel attacked and always feel rejected and always feel ad- abandoned. So you're, you teach someone with borderline personality disorder that if you continue to give people your choices and then blame people for making the wrong choices, you'll never get better. You make your own choices. You can do that. You can choose to do anything you want to do and you'll recover. But that's a foreign concept for people a lot of the time. Oh, it was for me. Free will was like this. I'd have to go. Oh, I, I, can, I can do things myself. <laughs> Light bulb, you know. Yeah. And I mean, when you understand you have choice, for me, it gives me power. It gives me power to know yep. that my mental health is in my hands at all given times. Of yep. course, you come across difficult days. I don't, just because I thrive now, um, that doesn't mean my days don't be difficult. My days are, I had a very difficult day today. Um, the difference in today and 10 years ago is I was able to deal with it, process it, handle it tell a few jokes, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, and not yep. take it so personal. Ten Absolutely. years ago, I would have probably left work, went home, climbed into bed, and that would be my day. 
and then everybody panicking around me going, oh God, he's going to bed. So it's important for me personally to understand that I have a choice. Does that mean my days don't be bad? No. It just means that when I have a choice, I can improve on my mental health. And that's important. You know. Right. So look, it's, it's, um, it's near the end of the podcast because I, I want to keep it within the hour, right? But before you go, mm-hmm. would you would you tell people how to contact you? Sure, absolutely. You can um, search for the podcast. It's called From Borderline to Beautiful. And you can listen to that on probably anywhere you can hear a podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. And then in terms of the website, if you want to sign up for a free initial consultation, you can go to thriveonlinecounseling.com and that's counseling with one L. So it's thriveonlinecounseling.com and we have, I'm running a 12-week structured virtual support group for people with BPD and that's open to international and national clients. It's mindset coaching and it will begin on January 18th. It's 75 minutes long and it's $100 a session. So definitely come on over, join, sign up get started on your recovery journey exactly exactly and rose thanks very much for coming on and um i really i really appreciate you coming on today thank you for having me sean no problem thank you all right bye-bye bye-bye